Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Brad Garropy. And I'm Richard Galliber. And this week, we're talking about Svelte. It's the new framework on the block, and it seems to be getting a lot of traction. And everybody who tries it seems to love it, at least at first. Now, Brad, I know you have an app that you wrote in Svelte. I believe it's for the uh, CrossFit workout uh, Murphy. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. The The workout's called the Murph, and it's it's broken down in all sorts of these different sections, and it's just very difficult to keep track of. So I made an app for it, and I chose to use Svelte as a learning opportunity. So how did that go? Did you like using Svelte when you built it the first time? Yeah, I'll say this. like Svelte's learning curve is very simple if you ask me like if you know vanilla javascript and you want to look into your first framework i think svelte is a great option primarily because it doesn't use jsx it it uses html templating type syntax and i think what that does is it just helps you stay focused on the html which is helpful as a beginner and it doesn't introduce all sorts of crazy javascript concepts you know right out of the gate just to render a React component, you have to like learn all sorts of stuff. Yeah, that's definitely my thought too, is when I first started looking at Svelte, it feels basically like there's three main parts to a, like a Svelte file, if you will, right? You're going to have like a script tag. There's going to be a place for you to put the HTML in, which is just the rest of it outside the script tag, and then a style tag. And you get like locally scoped CSS right out of the box. So it's like, the basics for when you're making a web page right there. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And you it can feels get, like you're writing like a vanilla HTML file. You want, yeah. you want JavaScript, put a script tag. You want styles, you know, put a style tag. Like it basically mimics that. Yeah. 100%. And you can get more complicated and more complex, but for a basic like hello world, it's ridiculously simple. Like even on the Svelte website where they have their little REPL of you know, like the little tutorial and it goes through, like that's, that was my first takeaway. Like, wow, this is ridiculous how simple this is compared to all the other stuff that we have going on. And the end results of creating like a basic Svelte application is very lightweight, small. And part of that is because like what kind of separates Svelte from other frameworks right now is that it's a compiled framework. So it, at the end of the day, just deploys like HTML, JavaScript, if it needs it, and that CSS to the browser. The browser is, doesn't have to do any sort of like crazy JavaScript compilation at runtime, if you will. Yeah, this is an area I want to drill into because I, while I kind of, kind of get it conceptually, I think I have my head wrapped around it. I would love to talk a little bit more. Maybe you know some more about what benefits a compiled language has. So let me just like try to explain my understanding of it. If you were to build like React or something, sure, it goes through a build process, but this build process is essentially just bundling everything together and minifying stuff. At the end of the day, React, the library is uh, running and calling methods like create class and create element to make changes to the shadow DOM and then commit them to the real DOM. So you have this whole mm -hmm. React library that ships to the browser. But now I think the main difference between 
React, which isn't a compiled framework, although there is a build process. And Svelte, from what I understand, Svelte, the things you're writing in Svelte actually go through a compiled transformation. Think, think as if you were running Babel on something where it actually changes your source code and removes the Svelte-specific stuff. Like the compilation stuff allows you to do things that aren't real JavaScript, that tells Svelte, the compiler, to do some specific things. But eventually they compile code that is no shadow DOM, no none of that stuff, just regular JavaScript that operates on HTML elements that are actually shipped on initial load to the browser. Right. Was that accurate? Like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a fair, pretty good way of like condensing it all down to where it kind of makes sense. I think given that you are, have a compiler doing some of this lifting for you, you can use things like the animations in Svelte, which are like built in. And I know we can probably talk about them in a little bit, but like really good for being ridiculously yeah. easy to implement and being yeah. like built in binding of values to different pieces of your application is really easy. Passing data around is also really easy between components and keeping that data up to date and all that stuff like makes it where the developer's life is very easy and simple. And then the compiler takes it and makes it the more, you know, traditional JavaScript behind the scenes that you don't see. You also get like better performance from a user standpoint when it comes to what they see in the application, because now you've offloaded all that work to your compiler. Like when you built your website instead of having to like have the user's computer figure it out when they download your website and then has to run and figure out like, what, what am I doing with this react thing? What's going on? Uh, you know, and that's another good point. I think conceptually, I also, I also visualize it like this react has this whole render process. React runs your components, renders them uh, many, many times. And they, that may not actually cause changes to the DOM, but they still have to render your component to determine the difference between what it, what it will output and what's currently on the screen. If there's anything different. Svelte takes that away from what I understand in its compiled output, because it essentially has like on change event listeners and things like that, that just like, as if you were writing regular JavaScript to do DOM manipulation. You sidestep this whole render and DOM diffing process that React has to do and trade it for essentially just very vanilla document modification methods that Svelte will compile to. Right. Yeah. You, you basically get to sidestep that entire virtual DOM. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. exist. Svelte doesn't deal with that at all. It just deals yeah. straight with the DOM and that's so, it. So benefits being right. I think we talked about it's uh, faster because that you don't have to go through the renders and you probably can't shoot yourself in the foot with re-render issues. And it's smaller at the end of the day, you're not shipping a runtime library that has to do a bunch of stuff. And so I think that's why Svelte is, is gaining a lot of traction in addition to how simple it is for developers, because the compiler is where that magic it's added that you don't have to think about. Right. And I'll, know, I'll be honest as a developer. I really appreciate when a framework is created with a focus on developer quality of life. Like I remember when Ruby first like started to become big and maybe I'm dating myself a little bit here, but like Ruby was really nice to write, you know? And I know some people have like some pretty opinionated thoughts about Ruby and everything, but 
coming across that, like, I don't know, I previously had been working in like Java and COBOL, which that is not a developer friendly language. It's terrible. Um, you can make a lot of money doing COBOL development, but no, you know, and like Python's pretty nice and Ruby's really nice. Like the way that it's set up to make it, you know, like the developer experience is nice, right? I guess it's kind of the difference in IDEs that we have these days versus, you know, good old TextMate back in the day, right? Like developer experience is, is way different. And, and Svelte kind of does that for me as far as like a front-end framework goes, because it's just, it's really nice and easy to just look at a Svelte file and be like, no, I, I get it. This all makes sense. The CSS is right there. You've got the JavaScript that's being run by this component or whatever right here. And then there's the HTML stuff. And it's pretty much just plain HTML with a few little like syntactic sugary things in there, like the bind, for example. But for the most part, it's just plain HTML and it's nothing crazy and weird. And you're not like returning a function to generate like a div and like, what are these two empty angle brackets around this div? Like, why are <laughs> they there? That doesn't make any sense. Somebody must have typoed something. Oh no, wait, those are super important. Like, I don't know. It's just very easy to look at from a traditional HTML, CSS, and JavaScript standpoint. Let's, yeah, let's focus on that. Like the, the developer experience, the in-editor developer experience of Svelte. It takes a little bit of a different set of tooling to get all the great autocomplete and prettier and ESLint and TypeScript and all that great stuff. But from what I've found back when I first tried Svelte, those kind of integrations were a little bit rough, but I revisited it just last week and ESLint prettier TypeScript, no problem. You can use you your own copilot, you know, copilot as well. And I'll, I'll get to that here in a second. Yeah. <laughs> so like ESLint, very easy. There's a ESLint plugin for Spelt and it gives you basically all the stuff you would want out of the box and easily modifiable. Prettier has a Spelt plugin as well. You can't just use regular Prettier. You have to use Spelt plugin in order for it to parse the script tag out of the Spelt file properly, but that will work just fine. And then finally, TypeScript support. A lot of the Svelte frameworks like SvelteKit uh, come with just a TypeScript flag that you can use when you instantiate the application, which will just kind of enable that in the build process and add in a TS config for you that you can personalize to your heart's content. So I would say like the, the in-editor experience is very good. Now with the addition of GitHub Copilot, which is the artificial intelligence powered, you know, code suggester, it's okay. I think you can tell that Svelte lacks training data. Whereas I was, I was coding React yesterday and I typed in a single comment and it just like wrote a whole component for me. Like it just depends on what language you're using, how popular it is. And you could see that with Svelte, it's still kind of figuring out it's, it's mostly actually inferring from what you have in your current file than pulling from like open source examples. At least that's the that's the gut feeling I got when I was running it. Yeah, I, I definitely have noticed the quality of my Svelte copilot is not on par with other language copilots. Yep. I actually wrote a little bit of C, which I haven't written C since like beginning of college, uh, over the weekend with copilot, just to no pun intended, see how it went. And uh, honestly, I would type a comment and be like, I want to do this thing. And then boom, I'll pop this huge function. I'm like, this is amazing. So I don't know if like, you know, how like in Google, 
knowing how to query Google to get the results you want is kind of yeah. like a superpower. Yeah. I don't know if writing comments for Copilot is going to be that same type of thing, but I could definitely see it being one of those like differentiators. And you like, you just Google it. Now you just co-pilot it and you have to come yeah. up with that search query. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I don't know. It's amazing. Like that's a whole nother episode, but like so far yeah. I just got access to it this weekend. It's been a lot of fun and it's really nice because it will remind you when you forget to do things too. Like, you know, if you forget to like close something, it'll be like the little kind of like grayed out version of the close bracket will show yep. up and you're like, yep. oh, oh yeah, that's right. That would be frustrating if I forgot that little guy. So I was actually listening to an episode of Syntax and Scott said something that really resonated with me about Svelte. And he was saying, in all of my Svelte projects, I don't have to install a million libraries for different things. And what I mean by that is because React is this very opinionated framework about how things are rendered and how state is managed, you have to install the React video player or the React Google map or the React post pop-up thing. Whereas in Svelte, it actually just jives with regular JavaScript pretty well. So like the packages that you choose to use at the end of the day, they aren't that complicated. It's just a very thin wrapper around a JavaScript function that you might write. And so he was saying that his package JSON shrunk by quite a bit because all those React specific libraries that dealt with all the state interactions just got easier to write himself. And he felt that he didn't have to reach out for third-party libraries as much. Yeah, I will say, so not using third-party libraries, I agree. And you can implement that same functionality yourself very easily, given that it is just JavaScript. When it comes to using like third-party Svelte components that other people have published and stuff like that, I've been running into a big problem lately oh, with yeah? SvelteKit. And that is that SvelteKit wants you to expose uh, SSR versions of these components. Yep. And historically, that wasn't a thing. And so you try to use all these like, you know, components that are just like, this is exactly what I need. You know, I need this like date picker thing. I don't want to code that myself. Why bother? Just boom, do it. Like it, it was a, I was trying to pull in just a freaking hamburger menu, right? Like the three lines that you click on it and it turns into an X and the little menu pops down. Like those things are so annoying to me to code. I am terrible at them. It always takes me forever to get everything just right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, somebody's already like, this has to be done before. And so I go and like find a component. I'm like, this is it. This is perfect. This is exactly what I want. Works perfectly. Try to put it in there. And it's like, this doesn't expose. I forget what the error is. It's something about doesn't expose an SSR version. And yep. it's like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, and so, it's just, just like a being on like the bleeding edge type thing. Like, you know, it's just, you're running into those problems because it's a brand new framework, but you can very easily take that same component and just go on their GitHub and be like, copy, paste modify and it works really well so there is that aspect to it Th but yeah this is like exactly what i ran into when i was trying to transition that that murph app from svelte to svelte kit and so so we could talk about the svelte ecosystem a little bit you have svelte base framework the compiler that takes dot svelte files and turns them into you know javascript and html and css that is essentially all client side rendered. That's like the create react app of Svelte. 
But then when you move to Svelte Kit, just like when you move. So before we get there, like a little bit is of that, Svelte, is that Svelte history, oh, right? Okay. So there was, there was Svelte and that's what you're talking about, like the client side rendered yes. piece. And then there was a separate thing called Sapper, which yeah. was Svelte for the server, basically. So it's server side rendered Svelte. And it was more similar to like a meta framework on top of Svelte, where it gave you like the um, file-based routing and stuff like that built in. That has kind of gone away now. Not de development has like stopped on it. And then like the new thing that they've transitioned to is Svelte Kit. Sorry for the interjection. Yeah, and I would, like, in my mind, I, I think Svelte, then Sapper, then Svelte Kit is analogous to Re React App, Gatsby, and Next.js. You've got, you've got like, your, your, your base framework, your static or server-side generated version, and your very dynamic, you know, pick-your-own-adventure version. And so as I was moving that app, Murph, from Svelte to Svelte Kit, I ran into all the same stuff. Oh, right. Uh, at this point, it, it server-side renders by default. So any of the client-side authentication that I was doing in Svelte wasn't working. And so I went on a quest to try to figure out how to disable SSR just so I could get the app working. And I found that I, I feel like the docs were wrong a little bit. The, the way that they tell you to turn off SSR inside of a script with a module context didn't work for me, nor did it work when I put it in the Svelte config. And so... For me and for this project, I decided to step away from SvelteKit just because my goal was to transition it to a framework that I could iterate on more rapidly that I knew better. And instead, I just like dumped a whole bunch of learning material on myself. So I did pivot there. But like you said, this is kind of the cost that you pay for being on the bleeding edge. SvelteKit is bleeding edge. It's still beta. And they're still ironing out documentation and people are hitting use cases for the very first times of this stuff. I will ask, did you go into the Svelte Discord and ask about your issue? I joined the Svelte Discord and then never asked a question. Okay. So I've run into issues like this and I will say it's still in beta. It's not like a lot of people are using it and it's going pretty dang well. Like it's, it's a pretty mm, robust beta at this point. Like they're getting close documentation. Yeah. I think there's definitely gaps there. And sometimes there's weird issues. Like if you start looking at like their GitHub issues lists and stuff, like there's some stuff that's still broken. I know a while back there was some stuff that just like would not run on windows, but no idea why personally, like that's, that's beyond me, but everything seemed to be right, but it just would not work on windows. I don't know if they fixed that or not, but the Discord community for Svelte, like the community around Svelte, especially the Discord, like if you go into the Svelte Kit channel in their Discord and you have a question and you have like, you know, do your due diligence, look for other people who've had the issue, all that stuff, right? Like Google it first, have what your problem is, what the error is, ready to go. So it's a nice, neatly packaged problem. But if you take it to that Discord, those people are so helpful and so friendly. It is awesome. So like, I know you've pivoted off to next. That's fine. But... Like, I'd be curious if you went to them and asked them about that, it, how, like how quickly they would get back to you. Yeah. When like earlier in the beta, when it was still, I think it may have been in alpha or I don't think it was public in alpha, but like right after they released it out of alpha, I was doing some stuff and like, literally I tried to do something and it didn't work. And there was, I forget who it was in the discord. I wish I had the name, but he was like, oh no, no. Yes. That was broken. I, I just submitted a PR 
and it should be in the main right now. So go ahead and like do an NPM update or install again and see if it works. I was like, I was like, yep, works fine now. So like the responsiveness was ridiculous. Um, yeah. So, so it sounds like, and the feeling that I get is it's a smaller community, but it's very dedicated uh, and it's very responsive. So that that's good. It's good for the future. It's a welcoming small community. And, and I think you get this kind of vibe from the guy who created it, Rich Harris. He works at the New York Times and he's given some really, really good talks on Svelte. So if you're just trying to get in and wrap your head around it for the very first time, he gives a talk called Rethinking Reactivity. And we'll link that in the show notes. That was my first kind of mental introduction to Svelte. And he talks about the, the pitfalls of the current frameworks and why he chose to do it differently. And I, I thought it was a good one. So it's about 35 minutes long. Uh, I think you should definitely watch it as a great intro. Yeah. Rich is everything I've seen from him. He's the type of person who just like, he comes across very humble, but then like the stuff he does and says, you're just like, man, it's <laughs> that like, dude is it's next level. Yeah. Light years beyond where I'm at currently. And yeah. I'm so thankful for people like him. But, but yeah, I don't know. The, uh, Svelte Summit that happened over the, it was a couple months ago, was really good. And the talks there were, were really cool. And they had an interview with Rich and, I don't know, it was just kind of, they talked about like the status felt kit and stuff like that. And it was, it was really good. So we can link to that in the show notes too. It was a bunch of YouTube videos. What's kind of cool about Svelte kit as well is that it can be hosted in lots of different ways. Like you can essentially choose how you build your application. If you use SvelteKit, it can be statically generated, server-side generated, and it has adapters for different hosts. So if you want to host on Netlify or, or Vercel or whatnot, you can kind of choose how it gets packaged and exported. Yeah. And I don't know, have we like defined what SvelteKit is? Uh, I think we touched on it, but yeah, go for okay. it. SvelteKit is basically like a meta framework on top of Svelte, right? So it's, it's the Next.js to React, SvelteKit to Svelte, and it gives you that ability to do like server-side rendered or client-side rendered or a mixture of both a little bit. And it gives you like the file-based routing and stuff like that, which is one thing that like Svelte, plain Svelte, routing is kind of strange because it's like a, build your own, choose your own router. Like there's nothing built in. And, and the routers are gets... not great. I went through that. The, the Svelte routing choices are not great, if you ask me. Yeah, they're, they're a bit sparse. There's like two and you have to pick what feature do I not want when you pick the router. Yeah. But with file-based routing, that problem goes away. And so <laughs> it's great. But yeah, that's kind of where we are with like SvelteKit and everything like that. So... SvelteKit sits on top of Svelte, but I know we were both talking about how Svelte is a lot simpler and cleaner than a framework like React or Vue. And one of the big pluses is something that we talk about kind of in passing a lot, uh, personally, which is like whimsy enablement is what I'll call it. Animations, right? Like things that make your website just a little bit nicer, a little more fun. And Svelte has like an animations directive that is like ridiculously robust 
for coming with it. I don't know if you've like messed with it much, Brad, or like what your experience there is. Yeah, I have in my Murph app. Um, I did age transitions using the in and out directives. Uh, and they have a couple different directives. They got uh, transition, in and out, and animate. I think I'm just going to blatantly re read from the docs here. A transition is triggered by an element entering or leaving the DOM as a result of a state change. So this is like if you are rendering another item on a to-do list or something like that, that would be like a transition, a transition directive you could use. But you also have things like in or out where like components go in and out of the DOM. So that would be great for like page transitions. And I actually use that in like swiping motions as I move between pages in the Murph app. Or you have like a generic animate directive, which this says it's something about the contents of a keyed each block. So this may be the one that you would use in a to-do list or something. Yeah, and I know you can actually like transition wise you can code up your own custom transitions as well as far as like messing with scale and easing and all sorts of stuff like that animation i'll just be honest is probably one of the weaker things in my repertoire of skills so i'm just happy you know for like the sliding over and sliding out page transitions are great that kind of yeah. stuff is, is more like the very simple things that are just built in I find it just really nice to have like the quality of the experience when someone comes to a page that has those little things, you know, is, is nice. And to have them built in, we don't have to go like searching for like, which library do I need to add to my project to get this sort of nice little fade transition to happen? You know, that kind of stuff is, is awesome. Yeah. And it should be said that, that not only do they have these different directives for, for when you do these transitions and animations, they have a huge library of like pre-built transitions and animations that you can just pick from. Or like I on in, I want it to like ease out for this many seconds with this delay. Like you can just, it's very easy to set those defaults and get something that looks good without knowing much about animation. Yeah. So like that's one awesome thing about Svelte the animations. Secondly, let's talk about forms for a minute, Brad. I have just a basic text box in React. And I want to type input into that text box and then submit it. What all do I have to do? Okay. There's two, two ways to do it. But React strongly discourages one. One way is to use an uncontrolled input and you just pull the value out of it with JavaScript. But React is like, no, no, no. You need to manage everything through our state. So for any form in React, you need to create a stateful value or the value of that form. You need to set that input elements value to that state value. And you need to write an on change handler that reacts to the user typing into that form field. And, and it just seems like this circular thing you have to do where you control the value in it. You control the updating in it. It's like you're doing everything. But what does Svelte offer us? So let's say we have the same thing. Just a, we'll call it username field. In your script tag, you're going to say let username equal whatever you want the default value to be. Maybe nothing. Maybe Brad. Then you're going to go ahead and declare an input. Give it a type of text. 
give it a name, and bind it to that value. And you're done. It's five characters. B-I-N-D colon. Yeah. That's it. It's fantastic. So like that's the super, super duper easy like binding input values, which man, you have to worry about state, anything like that. Like it just makes sense. Again, this is like a little bit of that felt magic, if you will, right? Where you're like there's that bind keyword. But that's pretty awesome. What if you had an entire form that was pretty complex? Now this, I haven't actually come across. Could you bind it to an object where you could split that object across the form? Yes. Nice. So you create like a, like form values object, and then you'll need to bind to like sub pieces of that form, mm -hmm. right? Or that, or that object, right? So like if you had uh, values dot username, values dot whatever, first name, everything like that, you'd need to bind to individual values like that, but. You just declare the object and then you bind to the values within that object and you're done. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So there's one really interesting use case with binding a value. Imagine like you're trying to build like a, like a formatting telephone number input. One thing you can do with this bind is you can set it equal to a reactive variable instead of just a static variable that takes exactly what you put in the input. You can actually make it reactive. So anytime that input changes, you could read it, modify it, transform it any way you'd like to, and then spit it back out to the input box. Uh, I got asked an interview question recently where I had to write a telephone, auto formatting telephone number input. And this would have been really cool to do it in Svelte, use a reactive variable and assign it to essentially the output of a format phone number function. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And it makes that really easy with all you have to do is when you make the variable, just put dollar colon instead of let. And there you go. It's a reactive variable. And I kind of view that a little bit like a use effect kind of essentially any variables used in that reactive variable statement, uh, that, that reactive variable will get updated anytime any dependent variable is used in that statement. Right. And then I think the, the last thing that Svelte really offers out of the box that React doesn't is state management. That reactive variable is one way to do state management, but primarily Svelte offers these things called stores that are readable or writable, and they can just be imported from anywhere in your application. So instead of things like context that have to be uh, wrapped around certain sections of your HTML with providers. Svelte just gives this store that can just be pulled in from anywhere at any time. Yeah. And so stores in Svelte, it's kind of weird. They look like just a file. So you import them just like any other JavaScript file and you can use them like a variable for, for all intents and purposes. Right. And it's really easy. It, it was almost too simple almost too good to be true. I sat there and I looked at Svelte stores and I'm like, this can't be right. What it is just this works? witchcraft? Yeah. So, and I think that same attitude I take towards a lot of Svelte is like, well, that was just pretty easy. When, when do I have to write all the hard stuff like I have to do in React? And at the end of the day, for a lot of this stuff, you don't. There's a learning curve to get onto stores 
for sure and how to still manage your data in the best way. But at the end of the day, I think on the whole, Svelte is easier to learn, easier to write and smaller for sure. Yeah, that personally for like personal projects and stuff, I think I'm going to keep sticking with Svelte. There are some rough edges as it matures, but the ease of use, the like less mental overhead that I have to do, like thinking about like framework and stuff just makes it more enjoyable in my opinion for that kind of stuff. Like, and I don't know, maybe it's just like my own personal oddity, but like when you run into those weird undocumented things, I kind of like figuring those things out and understanding this. And given that this is only being used for personal projects and stuff right now for me, it's fine to waste an entire day or two <laughs> struggling with a stupid problem. But you know, like at the end of it, I'm like, man, that was ridiculous. I wasted so much time, but Hey, I got it figured out and that's awesome. And so and you like, know, you know, what's cool. Like you could actually become a contributor, go make a docs change if it's hard to understand. And then the next thing you know, you got a little cool Svelte badge. Cause like you contributed to Svelte. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's web dev weekly. We had a blast covering Svelte. Definitely share with us on Twitter what y'all think of Svelte. Our handles are in the show notes. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe in your podcast player. And remember, we got that Discord community. Join up and we can talk spelt there. See you next week. Mm -hmm.